Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me. Reign in me, my sovereign Lord, reign in me. Captivate my heart, establish there your throne. Let your will be done, make yourself at home. O reign in me, my sovereign Lord, reign in me, reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me, reign in me. My Sovereign Lord, reign in me. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast followers. The great Matt Guybe with you here once again today. And today we're going to go back into Ephesians. We took a detour last week and talked a bit about adversity. And today I want to go back into Ephesians, and we're going to be starting chapter 2. I would like to go through the first 10 verses. It is quite a swath of verses, we could say, quite a portion, but there's so many beautiful things there. And we'll start out, and I'm going to, because there's no, there were no chapter breaks in the old manuscripts, I want to tie in where we have been, which was we spent three episodes on the um, Paul's prayer of intercession that changes circumstances and people. And I want to go back there, and I want to just tie part of this in and show you how it flows into chapter 2. So I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to read the portion in chapter 2 today. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us or in us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, 
who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? Then verse 6, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, this is where we'll stop today. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the reading of the New King James Version. I've read through the last part of chapter 1, and I'm showing you, or I'm going to show you how this flows together. He says in there, he, God put all things under Christ's feet, gave him to be head over all things, and the church filling all in all, all of us filled up in him. I believe last time we talked about John 17, I and him, thou and me, together that we would be one. And then he connects this and he says, and you, he made alive or he quickened. And then what's going to happen here today? This is such a beautiful, beautiful picture of contrast, a beautiful picture of contrast. There are about 40 terms in these 10 verses that we're going to touch on, I hope, today that show so much here. There's a contrast between the life that we once led far away and distant from God and the life that we now live because we are in Christ Jesus. I've titled this episode, When God Stepped In. When God stepped in. Before God stepped in, we're going to read the first part. We're going to see just how hopeless a situation it was for us. And it doesn't matter whether you've lived out on the streets and you've done drugs and did all kinds of sin out there, you know, you robbed banks or whatever, or whether you were the best person possible without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and this information we're going to go over and without God stepping in, you would be hopeless. It doesn't matter. The Bible says your good works are like filthy rags. You know, it doesn't matter if you've shot up drugs, you've sold drugs, you've worked the streets as a harlot, so to speak. Everyone stands in the same place of hopelessness of these things we're going to talk about in the first, be the first four or five verses here, actually the first three maybe that we're going to talk about here. But I want to also emphasize here, I want to get into this. Three things happened in chapter two that are very important. Three things. One, Christ made us alive together with him. He enlivened us. He quickened us. And you, he made alive. That's the first five words. Or you, he quickened is what the uh, King James would say. The first thing, he made us alive with Christ. We were raised up with him, made us sit together with him. See, we saw in chapter one that Christ was seated up there, that Christ was exalted you know, after his death and resurrection. And chapter 2 is just a picture of, in a certain sense, not physically, but in a spiritual sense, we go through that same death, burial, and resurrection as a Christian. We die to ourselves. We're buried. The old man is buried, and we rise again in newness of life, in hope, 
before we were dead in our trespasses. Let's get into that. When God stepped in, let's get into the the meat of this verse. We'll go back into chapter two now, and we'll just touch on these things. The first part, like I said, is the part where we find ourselves before we've known Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And you he made alive, quickened, that is what the word means, or made alive, to enliven, to cause to live, to make alive, to give life to. You who were dead in trespasses and sin, a trespass here in the Greek is harmadia, a fall or a lapse, you've slipped, you've made a mistake. It's maybe something you'd intentionally want to do, but you fell into it. You lost your temper with your wife. You didn't want to get mad at her over maybe the bills or whatever it was, but you did. So you fell into it. That's what trespasses are. And dead in sins. The word sin here talks about an innate corruption, an alienation from God. Literally, to err in your mind from the rule of truth with a choice or by a choice to do so. This is willful sin, which we I know we've all walked in. We've all been there. Whether, like I said, you were out on the streets selling drugs and selling guns and whether you killed somebody because you were mad at them, if that's where you were and you purposely did it, or whether you're a Christian because that has all your life you lived a real, moral, clean life that you like to think of. But Jesus came on the scene and said, if if you thought evil of your brother, if you thought I'd like to choke the life out of him, you might as well have killed him. And so we all have those thoughts. We've all had those thoughts of purposeful sin. And maybe we've committed some purposeful sins. I believe we probably all have. Let's go on. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, the course of this age or present system, instead of the one to come. The course of this present age or present system, instead of the one to come. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Habitually walking to the sway of this age is how one commentator put it. All right? Let's see if I can pull up some reference verses here for us to look at. There's some good cross-references, I believe, that I had found last night, and I will just read them as we go through this. So we're seeing the picture, the contrast. We're seeing, and you being dead in your trespasses, And the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him, having forgiven your trespasses. This is Colossians 2.13, I believe. Ephesians 2.2, where it talks about the age. You know, you're following a certain age. You're following the present system, so to speak, we talked about. Galatians 1.4, he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Galatians 1.4, Colossians, or Let's go, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 12. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers from this age who are coming to nothing. We're not talking about the wisdom man. We're talking about the wisdom of God, Paul said. Worldly wisdom is what Paul was talking about also in 1 Corinthians 3. Do you not know you are the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone is in God, Not in God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, set apart to God. And that's what he was talking about. Let no one deceive you. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, in this system, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world 
is foolishness. For it is written, he who catches the wise in their own craftiness. All right, let's go back and read some more of our text again and see how we're doing here. Let's see. Walking according to the course of this present system or this age. It's talking about a domination and control. You, you've been dominated by the age and by the mindset of this present system. Okay. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Of course, we all know probably by looking at that, that is the demon spirit sent by the head demon, which is, is Satan, the prince of the power of the air. See, he has control in our metron or our atmosphere here, unless we as saints, you know, put him out. He has control. The spirit who works now in the sons of disobedience. These are seducing spirits. Those ones who are evil on purpose, these are the kind of spirits that are controlling men. Careless, rebellious, unbelieving, these are the sons of disobedience. They're walking in that kind of spirit, you know, in seducing spirits. They are evil on purpose, careless, rebellious, unbelieving, standing against the purposes of God. Uh, Matthew 3, 7, Jesus described the Pharisees and the Sadducees as a vipers, a den of vipers that, that were controlled by the spirit of the age or the spirit of the Antichrist, okay? So that's what we're looking at there. Let's look for some more cross-references here and see what we might come up with. Ruler of this world, John 12, 31, John 14, 30. That's what he's talking about. It talks about Satan in those scriptures being the ruler even of the world that Jesus was in serving as man. John 12, 31 and 14, 30. I'll let you look those up, and I want to um, continue on here. Let's see. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once— see, we're all included in this group. We conducted ourselves in that group and conducted ourselves— in the lusts of our flesh. Let's look at that a little bit. Lusts of the flesh conducted ourselves. Back to the children of disobedience. Okay, that's what it's referring back to. They're connected. We conducted ourselves like those children. We ordered our behavior is what it means that way. A lust of the flesh is a passionate longing or craving for good or bad. Here the context talks about a totally depraved nature. The person's only desiring fleshly, worldly things. They're passionate about those kind of things, all right? And then it talks about the children of wrath. That's what we're covered, the first three verses there that shows the state that we're in. Let's go on here into the rest of the study here as we go on. The next phrase now, we begin to pick up on a very, very important thing. Uh, what I talked about in the beginning here. So, we were made alive. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We were controlled by the prince of the power of the air, who was working in the sons of disobedience, those that willingly sinned, those that were influenced that way. We conducted ourselves that way. And also the lust of passionate longing to do sin, everything evil, the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, and of the mind, we were children of wrath, because God's wrath was upon us in that state. But here's where we get when God stepped in, the, the title of this episode. It says, but God, or when God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even, even when we were in the state that I talked about in verses 1 through 3, even when we were dead in trespasses, when we were walking in the way of the course of the world, when we were controlled by demons of Satan, when we conducted ourselves and lusted for everything impure and unclean, okay? When his wrath was upon us still, it says his great love with which he loved us, even when we were in that state, dead in trespasses, what's happened? He's made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Let's stop there. Let's stop there and go back and catch a few cross-references again, if we could. Rich in mercy. Let's talk about that with a cross-reference. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1, 7 and 2, 7. Romans 2, 4. I love this verse. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of of God leads to repentance. Yes, the goodness of God leads us out of that hopeless state that the first three verses of Ephesians talks about. Chapter 10 and verse 12, there is no distinction now between the Greek and the Jew, for the Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. We've talked about that before on the podcast, how Paul was sent to those that weren't Jewish, to the Gentiles, to bring them into the gospel. And God's richness of mercy is what that means was on everyone. Didn't matter if you were red, yellow, black. Didn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile. Made alive. Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. He's repeating that again. We were made us alive together with Christ, just like the very first phrase, and you he made alive. You know, those two are connected together. John eleven twenty five. And 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, because of Jesus' resurrection, what we covered in Paul's prayer in the first part, how he was exalted, you know, we are now made alive also. Let's read, I have this here in Romans 6. This is what's actually happening. This is what's really happening in Ephesians here, This especially verses when we get down here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, or actually 4 to 6 especially. This is a real good parallel. Romans 6, 3 and 4. But do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death? See, death is typified with baptism by we go down into the water and we die. Therefore, we were buried with him. See, we're buried in baptism unto death. The baptism, if you don't know water baptism, when you go under, represents, typifies dying with Christ. That just as Christ was raised, then we're raised back up out of the water from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, this is the same process. I told you three things happened here. We are made alive. We were raised up with him made to sit together with him. First, you could say, actually, you could add this to it. We died with him, and then we were made alive. See, we're already dead. Verses 1 to 3 show that state. We were walking in that state as children of wrath. But now, but God, when God stepped in, what happened? He made us alive together. He raised us up. 
with him. And then what's happened, it's so, we show in chapter one, this is so glorious, that he's sitting there ruling. Christ was exalted and given the gift of dominion. I talked about that the last time because he rose from the grave. But you know what? You know what? As favored sons and daughters, we are made to sit together with him because we have also died and rose again, not physically, but spiritually. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Let's read this, Romans 8, 11. But if the Spirit of God, a Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give unto your mortal bodies life unto your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Colossians 2, 12, buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also were raised through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. See, baptism, this could be also almost like a side lesson on baptism, typifies dying to the old man, buried, and then arising again in resurrection life when you come up out of the water. That's what it typifies. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, what is this exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Remember those four words we talked about? Energia, the power that was turned on, that the ability and talent we were given through the power of Christ. Remember those other words that we talked about last time. I'm going to just touch on them again. Dunamis was one word we talked about was given ability and talent, you know, and then working and worked. Christ worked in the, God worked, Abba worked in the resurrection with energia. He was exercising. He turned on the light. He turned on the switch of resurrection power, as it were. And then we talked about his mighty manifested strength with the word kratos. And then the last word there for power was ichuas, which means a natural capacity, a power, ability, an endowment. Remember this, I read this the last time. God gave me this. Abba's endowment was established by the willing donation of Jesus' life. Wow. Not only is Jesus seated at the right hand of God, now we're seated there as well. Okay? That's those four words, and they tie right in here, because that's the same power that's putting us there in the heavenly places as well. Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I may know him and the power, the dunamis of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. All right, we've covered that there. Our identity with Christ is in his death and us identifying with his death broke the power of sin. Our identity in him in resurrection results in the impartation of divine life. Let me read that again. Isn't that powerful? Our identity, or us identifying with Christ in his death, breaks the power of sin in our lives. Our identity with him in the resurrection, when we raise up from the grave in the baptism, as it were, like it's talking about in these verses here in Ephesians 2, our identity with him in resurrection results in the impartation of divine life, made us alive or divinely alive together in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? You're alive today if you know Jesus Christ. You just need to tap into that power. Let's go on. 
Let's see what we have here, some more notes here. But God, or when God stepped in, who was rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. Remember trespasses and sins, what we talked about? He made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together. By grace, you are saved. Let's look at this. This took place in the past tense. This was done in the heart and mind and plan of God way back before you were even a twinkle in your mom's eye. This took place in the past time and has been completed in this present age or time, having a present time result. Let me read it to you this way. By grace, have you been completely saved with the present result that you are in a saved state of being right now. You're in a saved state of being. You're a son and a daughter of God, a favored son and daughter. The verb tense in the Greek language speaks of a finished result yet happening in the present time. It also shows a persistence of the results in the present time. You're being saved. You're continually being saved as you walk with him. Okay? Isn't that beautiful? Raised us up together. That's now and a future. Right now and in the future, literally, if he comes back for us in the rapture, or if our physical body passes away, we're raised up together. Made us sit together. Oh, that's beautiful. Remember? Well, that's exciting news today. Seated or enthroned us. Made us to share with him in dignity and dominion. Remember I told you last time when we were in Ephesians that Christ was given the gift of dominion and rulership? That was a gift he was given because he arose from the grave? He's sharing that with you and I. You know, at Christmas time, kids are given a lot of gifts. And I know my granddaughters, as they were little, all the gifts they would tear open on the holiday. And, you know, they were so excited. But you know what? <laughs> They're only human. A lot of the time, they didn't want to share. The, if one sister saw, oh, that's a beautiful gift. Can I, can I ride your bike? No, they don't want to share that gift. Can I play with your phonograph here? No, no, that's my gift. But Christ isn't that way. He's sharing made us to share with him in dignity and dominion. Qualification, qualification. How's that qualified? Let's read in the verse, and we talked about this. He made us sit together in the heavenly places. This gets back to verse 3 of the chapter. We talked a lot about us. That's where we're at. We're seated in heavenly places, and we're really getting into that today. He made us sit together in heavenly places in the word, little word N in Greek, a position, a place of position, a fixed place. That's where you're at. A place of time. That's where we're at right now. We are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, let's see what kind of time we have here. We've almost been here 30 minutes. We might have to come back because there's so many beautiful things here. We don't want to just rush through them. Let's see. Being in Christ, being in Christ, a place of position, a fixed place, a stable place, a place in time. That's what that little Greek word means. That's where we're at right now, literally. And we talked a lot about that when we're discussing Ephesians, because that verse um, where it says we're seated in the heavenlies, that occurs several times. And I think I've went over that before in this whole book. That might be the, one of the theme, main themes of the book, being seated in heavenly places with him. Let's go on here. But God, or when God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together, 
With Christ, by grace are you saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Let's go to verse 7 and read that. That in the ages to come, he might show the riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Okay, let me make this statement. The satisfaction of his love was God's motive in quickening or making us alive and raising us up with him. The manifestation of his glory and its surpassing wealth is his final purpose in all of this. See, he loves us. He's loving on us. He's raising us up. He's giving us new life, letting us share in the gift, him and Jesus, of dominion, seated in the heavenlies. Why? For his own satisfaction. That's what he pleases him more than anything else, is to redeem his sons and daughters. He's proud of that. He's just so glorified in that, it says. That's the final purpose, is to have a church that's seated with Jesus, reigning with him, and that's his glory. That's what he, his whole purpose in making creation was to have people like us, men and women of God, that by our own free will chose to walk this way. That's what his satisfaction is. That's what motivated him in love, was to do that. Isn't that so powerful? I'm not even sure I can get my mind fully around what that means. Let me read that again. The satisfaction of his love, of Abba's love, was his motive in quickening and raising us up with him. Okay? The manifestation of his glory in its surpassing wealth is the final purpose in all of this. See, by us being raised up with Christ, by us being seated there in the heavenlies, ruling and reigning in dignity with Jesus, that brings God the glory that he so desires. Okay? Made us sit together. That made us shares with him in dignity and dominion. Wow. Our life and thoughts are raised to the heavenlies where he reigns our life and our thought life. That's where we should be existing. That's what we should be walking in. Yes, we walk in a physical planet in the age that we talked about in the first part of the verse. We're not susceptible. We're not giving in to the spirit of this age because we walk in the heavenlies. That's where our minds and heart are at. In the ages to come, the ages that are coming, one upon another, that is the eternal ages that roll in one after another like the waves of the sea rolling again and again and again in the future eternity after the universe is returned to its pristine glory, the ages that are to come. Wow. Let's go one more. That he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. His kindness toward us to show kindness in God's own interest. I told you about that. For his glory. He wants to show us off, okay? That he may be glorified. He wants to put us on display. We're glorified and we're going to be honored by the angelic hosts. That's what he's talking about. And then let's finish up, but we're not going to get into it today. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The majority of Christians out there know that verse. But like I've said before, they forget the beautiful part. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand or before ordained that we should walk in them. 
wow, wow, this is the apex of what he's raised us up for, you know? And we're going to get into that next week. That's that's such a precious verse there. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not that any man can boast then. For we are his workmanship. We're his handiwork. We're his poetry. We're his masterpiece, some translations say, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's close out with some cross-references here. Heavenly places, we've talked about that. Romans 8, 17, if children and heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him together. Verse 23, not only that, but we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves were groaning for this, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. That's Philippians 3.20. I love this verse. For our citizenship, now remember, we're walking on this earth, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's mean when we're literally joined together. Let's go on. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, which searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Let's see. Ephesians 2.10. Well, we will leave these for next week. We will go back and we will just say this. Three things happened to you. This is so beautiful. This is the same picture of what Christ went through. First, we were dead in our sin. We talked about that in verses 1 to 3 with trespasses and sin and being influenced by demons and the spirit of this age and the lusts of our flesh. Then what happened? We were made alive. We were raised up with him. He made us sit together with him in heavenly places. He's sharing the gift of dominion and the gift of rulership with us. Yes, that's what he's doing with you today, my friend. God bless you. And remember, remember that he is Lord. Remember that he has made you alive unto him. When God stepped in, he stepped in in your life and you are alive with him if you know him today. God bless you and thank you for coming to the Kingdom Corner podcast. Come again next week as we finish up Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on the Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guide. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.